0: Uh, this morning, uh, why don't you turn to your Bibles in 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10 is where we'll start this morning. Good to see you all this morning, and thanks for being flexible with moving into here. With the yard sales going so well, uh, the lady said, can we do another weekend? And I said, sure, let's uh, keep the money flowing. <laughs> going towards our new building, of course, looking forward to that. Second um, Corinthians chapter number 10, and uh, look at verse number uh, 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not physical, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ." What are these weapons, or what are these, uh, rather not weapons, but what are these strongholds that we are to fight against? And that's kind of what I want to talk about. Just a brief bit of introduction, and then I'm going to kind of dive into one of the philosophies that we have to fight against uh, the day that we live in. Um, but let's go ahead and word of prayer, and we'll uh, jump into this. Father, we thank you for our time together today, and I do ask, Lord, that you'd help us as we uh, consider some of these uh, truths from your word. Would you help us all to be ready always to give an answer? To uh, so the hope that's in us with meekness and fear, Lord, uh, uh, that, that we'd be uh, ready right to answer. There's so many things today that, uh, that battle against our faith that are, that's in society. And I ask, Lord, that you'd help us to be equipped, that, that uh, the Word of God would be our authority, and that we'd know it and be able to defend it. Lord, would you help us now? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It talks about pulling down strongholds, and then it in, immediately goes into, verse 5, casting down imaginations. The Bible talks about in Colossians, uh, uh, about philosophies of this world. Um, and one of the things I just want to kind of bring up this morning, and, and it's a little bit of a hot topic, but I think we ought to be able to speak to the issues of the day and, uh, and equip ourselves. You know, one of the problems we have uh, today is that our young people don't know how to stand for truth? They don't know how to defend it when, when, when the, the school systems and and television and the news and, and all these things are are really at war with our faith. Many young people don't know what to say. And I'll give you an example. <clears throat> um, my my son, who was actually uh, brought up last week. Some of, some of the the young people in our church uh, kind of got into a, a, a situation where. Um, uh, they were discussing the issue of homosexuality and uh, and one of the young men they were talking to, one of the boys they were talking to who uh, who goes to a church. Uh, got real upset and even started started you know cursing at the kids and the other kids and was was saying that uh, well the Bible teaches that we're to you know love everybody and nowhere does it condemn uh, that lifestyle and, and and so on and I thought this is a kid who goes to a church and said there's no that the Bible doesn't condemn it and, and now now I'm not going to uh, judge a church too hardly because this is a you know a little kid I don't I'm not I'm not saying that uh, he should be an expert uh, apologist or an expert at uh, a theology ology, but, um, but it kind of, you know, brings this thought that, that many times these uncomfortable topics, if we don't talk about them, we don't know what the Bible says, uh, we don't know how to defend. And, and what ends up happening is our minds get captured with emotional arguments. Our minds get captured with, well, uh, maybe it's not so bad because I know somebody and they're a really nice person, you see? And, uh, and by the way, I'm not saying that anyone who's in some kind of sinful lifestyle is a monster, there are a lot of very nice people, right um, In fact, hell is full of really nice people and uh, so I wanted to talk just briefly this morning. I want to give a, a biblical uh, view of uh, this month has been deemed pride month pride month and uh, and I don't want to get too much into it and this you know'm not I don't want to uh, to necessarily uh, it's not like I'm gay bashing or anything like that, but I do want to kind of just look at a couple of things as Christians, how are we to respond to these things? How are we to even answer some of these things? And, uh, and you know, there's a couple of things when I think about pride month, I, uh, I find it ironic that the word used for the lifestyle is pride is pride. The symbol that they like to use is a rainbow. Now, what does a rainbow represent in the Bible? God's God's covenant. He's not going to destroy the world with a flood again. And, and uh, what that covenant though should remind us of is what what preceded the covenant. Judgment, destruction. Right. Um, I mean, the Bible talks about in heaven, that in Revelation, the heavenly scene that 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 uh, the throne was surrounded by the, God's bow. And uh, there's some kind of, you know, and by the way, anybody who's looked at a rainbow, there's some kind of glorious aspect to that rainbow. I mean, I don't care how many rainbows you see. When you see a rainbow, you, you take note of it. Hey, look, a rainbow. And I love it when God gave the covenant and said, uh, I'm going to put my bow in the sky. And he says, and when I, uh, uh, um, when I look upon it, I'll remember. He'll, he'll remember that covenant. And what's amazing to think about that when you and I look at a rainbow, God, in the, in the way he worded the covenant, he's looking at it as well. And he says, this is a very personal thing that I'm making with you guys. And uh, and so, so they take this, a remembrance of, of God's judgment of wickedness, and they say, this is going to be our symbol. They said, we're going to call it pride, which is a very interesting thing because uh, the Bible has a lot to say about pride. Um, it's one of those words, though, that seems to have been hijacked, uh, referring to these alternative lifestyles. It's... Uh, uh, it is an interesting uh, word to choose, though. Uh, pride says this, I know better than God. Pride says I'm the authority. Pride says don't, don't try to try to change my way of thinking. I'm set in my ways. I've got my own understanding. And, and that's really what pride says. And in many cases, this lifestyle, they want everyone around them to not just accept, but to affirm, to praise their lifestyle choices. And anyone who, who who denies it or who uh, who says maybe it's wrong is is looked at as a as a hateful bigot, right? We, have have you, guys, you guys seen it, right? And uh, you know, and you know, by the way, whatever happened to it? live and let live? <laughs> you know, stay out of my business. I'll stay out of your business. And uh, uh, by the way, interesting, another word that's been hijacked is the word tolerance. Tolerance does not mean acceptance. Otherwise, you wouldn't need to tolerate it. The very definition of tolerance is that um, is that I disagree with it, but we'll get along with you anyway. That's tolerance. You see, uh, tolerance isn't really what they're after, and so they do these bait and switches with these words, and and uh, and they play with words there. But but uh, really, what what's what's funny or what's interesting about this is when they say, "Well, you're just denying uh, uh, my." My uh, uh, preferences, and I don't even want to use that word, but, but, but realize something, these things are choices, you can choose to enter into a sinful behavior, you can choose to not, right? I'm not talking about inclination, I think there are some inclinations that people can have, but you can make a choice to act on it. Some people are more drawn to the drink, uh, to, 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 to the bottle, to, to alcohol, some people are just more drawn to it, but you have a choice if you're going to do it. Some people struggle with lust. You have a choice if you're going to be faithful to your spouse. See, just because you have a drawing to it does not mean, oh, I'm made this way, I should just indulge. You see, uh, the Bible talks about how we need to bring our body into subjection. It's the disciplined life. You don't just chase after every pleasure. You just don't run after everything that that, that pops his head up. And so, uh, I'll get to that at the end as we kind of talk about what is the answer and what is the solution. But what's interesting is they'll say, "Well, you're not affirming my lifestyle. You're 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 denying it." And and especially when we get into this gender confusion stuff, it, it's amazing. At times I've spoken down at uh, city hall and and uh, and things, I, I've never seen it so pervasive. And it's, I think, part of the brainwashing of, uh, of our universities. Uh, but every young person that was testifying uh, uh, would say, my name is so-and-so, and my preferred pronouns are such-and-such. I mean, it's the strangest thing. You see, I, I, don't, I don't introduce myself uh, uh, and say, you know, my name's Aaron, and I'm a heterosexual. You say, what does this have to do with our conversation? What does it have to do with interacting in business? What does it have to do with, you know, with these different things? And, and, uh, and, and, and so, so, you know, we've already heard stories of people being fired for misgendering somebody. Public school teachers, right? Uh, we, 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 and, and it's kind of going in that direction. We've, we've heard, it, even in other countries, uh, push for legislation of making these things hate crimes for misgendering somebody. Now, by the way, before all this gender confusion started, sometimes you accidentally would call a, 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 a woman a sir, you know, or a, or a man or a, a ma'am, you know, because sometimes it's just not super clear. But now it's like, oh, man, it's like you, you might as well have uh, physically assaulted them. What's interesting about that, though, is here's the, here's the question. Who's really denying who they are? You see, if I call, let's say one of the most popular ones out there right now, um, uh, Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, possibly the next mayor uh, or governor of California. <laughs> if, if, uh, if, if I call that person a he... The, the, the accusation would be, you're not affirming who they are. But really, who's the one that's denying who they are? Who's the one that's denying their, very, uh, their basic biology, their, their, their genetics? You see? And I know this is uncomfortable to talk about, but, but folks, these are the issues of the day. And, and we as believers, we don't know what to say about it. We don't know how to how to respond. And and, and I'm not saying we should go and just try to offend everybody, but we should have a, a thought process and that should be formulated by the Bible. But pride becomes a very fitting term because uh, because what they're they're really in rebellion against God. They're saying, I, uh, I am denying the way I was created. In fact, it's going so far. Some people are saying I'm actually a, a, a puppy. <laughs> I'm actually a cat. And they they play like they're a cat all the time or or I mean, it gets it just gets weird, you know. And no, you're a person. If you want to play a game, then acknowledge you're playing a game. But you're a person, you're you're a man, you're a woman. Um, and, uh, And and in the beginning, God made them male and female. But, you know, pride, again, is a very fitting term. What does the Bible say about pride? Pride is the very first thing in a list that God hates in Proverbs 6, 17. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven, are an abomination. The very first one, a proud look. A proud look. Um, in uh, Proverbs 15, 16, 5, pride is an abomination to God. By the way, be, before you think, I'm just picking on this one sin, and uh, and I, you know... I don't bring it up often. I know some some preachers it's like that. You'd think that's the only sin that's out there the way they talk about the sin of homosexuality, uh, you know. And and there's always being, oh, that's an abomination to God, you know. Uh, well, you know, so is pride. But there's a lot of things in the, that the Bible lists as an abomination. All right. Uh, let's let's bring it back to where it belongs. I'm not trying to soft pedal. I'm not trying to 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 to, to say it's not a big deal. Uh, but what I am saying is this: that there are all kinds of sins and addictions, and we need to see it as that. We need to see it see it for what it is. And uh, and by the way, what's the solution to sin? Jesus Christ. You're like we're in Sunday school. I think the answer is Jesus. Yes, the answer is Jesus. Okay, <laughs> but. Um, uh, it's an abomination. Pride causes divisions and fights. Proverbs 13, uh, 10, only by pride comes contention. Only by pride. That is the root. That is what causes fights, divisions. Pride precedes destruction and a fall. You know, pride, uh, pride uh, goes before a fall and, uh, in, um, in, uh, um, uh, Proverbs 16 18, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble, James 4, 6. Uh, it, it's, it's a position, it's a posture that is actually at odds with God, where God puts his face against the proud. Proud, pride, haughty, puffed up, some sort of variation of the word pride shows up over a hundred times in the Bible. And let me just say this, not one of them is in a good light. Not a single one is in a good light. So what does that tell us? You know, the reality is it's at odds with the very character and nature of God. Jesus was described as a meek and lowly person. Meek and lowly. That's the opposite of pride. And so, you know, and this is just my uh, uh, position. Uh, uh, If if God is so opposed to this word, we should probably just get this word out of our vocabulary altogether. Right? Now, I know it's not the word, but uh, that's a good start. You know, Leviticus, uh, God instructed Israel not to even speak the names of the gods of the nations around them. See, there's a chance that if you don't ever speak the name, you're probably not going to worship it. Now, pride, I know, is a heart issue. But if we can start with just removing it from our vocabulary, that would be a good start to getting it out of our heart. You see, and uh, it's amazing the things that we, that, you know, we, we, we throw the word pride around, you know. Take pride in what you do. Take pride in who you are. and take, You know, we, we, we throw this around, and let's just get biblical with it, okay? Um, uh, you know, uh, let's say what we mean to say, and again, get away from this thing of pride. Uh, uh, we need to realize, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, um, that's, that's, that's the reality for every one of us. We need to be humble. We need to be lowly. We need the grace of God. But So it's fitting that pride would be the word that's chosen to some up with this lifestyle. Because it's in direct conflict with the Creator. In fact, in Romans 1.21, it states, When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. I'm not going to give you your proper position. I'm not going to acknowledge uh, your, your sovereignty. I'm not going to acknowledge your lordship. Uh, what, so, so, so there's the starting place. And that, that begins this list of, of degradation, of falling away from God. And it begins to unfold. And in verse 24, the Bible says, God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And then it gets more specific in verse 26. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affection. And it goes on to describe this pride lifestyle. It goes on to describe these, uh, this, this perverse lifestyle, dishonoring their bodies with themselves. And, and then in verse 28, the Bible says, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. You see, we're sliding away. We started, we weren't thankful, we didn't glorify Him as God, and we, we start getting vain in our imaginations, our foolish hearts were darkened, and, and we start falling into these, these really abominations, these lifestyles that are at direct odds against, against nature and nature's God. It begins to unfold. By the time you get to the end of the chapter in Romans 1, the Bible says that they that do such things, uh, and knowing uh, the wrath of God, they which uh, commit such things are worthy of death. But then it goes on, not only that do the same, but they that have pleasure in them that do them. You know what that verse is telling me? Those that are supporting those that do these things are as guilty as those that do these things. Now, as far as I know, there haven't been any marches here in Fairbanks, but I know Anchorage and a lot of big cities they are having these pride parades or pride festivals, and and there are a lot of people that aren't necessarily in the lifestyle that show up and they're saying I'm showing my support. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, we we show up to these things. And by the way, the way they carry on, uh, I wouldn't want any of my children just to see it. I mean, if they if they if they were carrying on as, as civil people and, and having a parade or a march, that's that's one thing. But I mean, when it starts becoming X-rated, we're getting we're crossing some lines. You see, it's it's so just shoved in our face. What are we to do? And and how are we to view it? My concern is this there's an increasing number of Christians today that genuinely believe that the Bible does not address this lifestyle. The Bible is silent about it and, and God just loves all people and uh, and uh, you know and so 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 we shouldn't speak against it and you know that 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 would be true if there really was no such thing as sin. You know, it's funny how some things we can talk about. We, w- we would all agree, hey, it's very destructive and harmful to a family if dad becomes an alcoholic. And even in society, we would say that. In fact, we have a term for it. It's a disease, alcoholism. Right? By the way, when you start giving everything a name, a disorder or a disease, then the answer is therapy. When you call it sin, the answer is Repentance. You see, we, we, we soft-pedal everything, and, and, and we're, we're approaching this as psychologists rather than as people of the book. But when, when Christians begin saying, well, there, there's no place for it in the Bible, you know, God's not against that, or, or they might even say, well, that was just Old Testament, uh, you know, they try to divide it in different ways. Either they're biblically illiterate. Or they're guilty of doing what they're accusing us of doing. They'll say, What you're doing is you're trying to read into the scriptures what's not there. Well, they're guilty of the same thing, but like the opposite. You're trying to ignore what's plainly there. You're covering your eyes and you're not, you're not seeing what's there. In fact, in Leviticus 20, verse 13, God is quite explicit about homosexual behavior, and he says the, 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 the penalty in ancient Israel was death. It was death. In fact, uh, uh, God, God knew what it would do to society. In the days of the kings in Israel, the marks uh, the, there were several things that a righteous king would do. Many times a righteous king, uh, Josiah and, and others, they would uh, tear down the high places. These were, these were uh, temples, if you would, that were erected to worship the false gods, the gods of the nations around them. And uh, Israel would fall prey to that. They'd fall into Baal worship. And so a righteous king would come in, and they would tear down those places... And in several instances, they would drive out the sodomites. That's what the Bible says. In fact, uh, specifically in uh, 1 Kings 14, 1 Kings 15, 1 Kings 22, 2 Kings 23, that's what the pattern was. They would drive out the sodomites. And it's kind of interesting. It just kind of says it in passing. It doesn't really go into much detail what that looked like or what they did, but they would drive them out. And I'm not suggesting that we put them to death. I'm not suggesting we even kicked them out of our country or anything like that. What I'm saying is the, the observation I'm making is, is even in the Bible, that lifestyle... Uh, it does not reproduce. It does not, you know, they, they, they can't reproduce by the very nature because they're going against nature. They're going against the way God uh, worked out his creation. So what they have to do, since they can't reproduce, they have to recruit. They have to recruit. So how do they do that? Well, you we just look at what's going on today. Why do we need some people to step up and uh, get on the school board? You know, even if this issue never entered into the school system, I wouldn't want my children even learning about the proper relationships when they're five years old, six years old, seven years old. You know, at that age, they need to just go run and play. (laughs) They need to learn some of the basics of math and reading. They need to be learning some of those things. They don't need to be uh, learning how to read. Uh, In the the book, uh, Sally Has Two Mommies, But they start at a very young age. And by the way, it's such a vulnerable age, not only because uh, they tend to believe their authorities and it becomes foundational for other things that are put into them. This is why early learning is so important with our children. But think about it. What does your average five-year-old think about girls? The Five-year-old boy, what does he think about girls? Gross. Gross. She has cooties. (laughs) So if you then start guiding that and say, well, maybe, Johnny, you weren't meant to like girls. And you start feeding and coaching these thoughts in their mind. What are we doing? The Bible says in John 10, verse 10, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill and to destroy. And really, that's exactly what the devil is doing on many fronts. He steals joy. As, as this, the pride community are some of the highest demographics that seek psychiatric help. There aren't antidepressants. He kills the next generation, of course, through the abortion industry, he, and even just lost potential from 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 the, uh, from the lost potential in, in the fact that they're unable to reproduce, whether through uh, uh, through same-sex relationships or bodily mutilation, which is really becoming a big thing. And what's happening, these are lost potential for young, uh, for young people to, 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 to know Christ, to make, a, make an impact to the glory of God. And, and what's he doing? He's destroying. He's destroying the future. He's destroying a society. All you've got to do is look at history and what happens when, when the pride community takes, uh, uh, gets too strong. I'm going to just use that term. I know it wasn't called that in years gone by, but let's just kind of keep running with that word. See, the devil's deceived our entire society with lies and, and a lifestyle that's outside of God's design. The, the, the idea that it could be fruitful, the idea that it could be fulfilling—all kinds of articles, all kinds of things—they're they're, they're finding out about people going down these paths, and and even doctors, uh, psychologists, are they're afraid to 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 kind of help the person who's maybe confused and and unsure of who they are, and, and, uh, and, and they're, they're afraid of giving sound advice because they might be looked at as, uh, well, this person's maybe a bigot. This person is, uh, you know, they, they don't want to lose their job. They don't want a complaint to come against them. So they let people go down these journeys. Too many times in our society, we like to divide things into subcategories. You kind of notice that about these themes we give to months, right? Black History Month, Women's History Month, and, and these kind of things. And and by the way, I, I'm I'm thankful for any kind of advancement as we look back through through history, and we are correcting wrongs, and we you know we were making things right. And but uh, but what's interesting is why, why don't we just celebrate accomplishments rather than say, wow, we're accomplished. Look at what this I'll just use uh, uh, look what this black individual did. Let's celebrate Black History Month. What is that? Why don't we celebrate? Wow, this person did something amazing. But we love to, 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 you know. By the way, as a white man, I don't try to take credit for some of the accomplishments that white people have made. I'm here today, and I need to make my own contribution in the day that I live in right now. You see, uh, but it's weird. We, 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 we put these these categories. And so, when we talk about this, I want to talk briefly about about pride history. Um, and let's go back to one of the very first societies that was kind of known uh, for that, and that was the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I'm not trying to be comical, but I think there's some great insight we can gain from from Sodom and Gomorrah. Why did God destroy them? Many would say it was because they were overrun with the sin kind of homosexuality. And, uh, and, and that's partly true, but I think the whole the whole story is actually much more sobering um, uh, real quick, I want you to turn to Ezekiel 16 in your Bibles. Ezekiel, and I think it stands as a warning even for America today. Ezekiel 16. We all right this morning? I know it's a kind of uncomfortable un- topic, and I'm trying to trying to be careful even with my words, knowing the the ages that are here. Ezekiel 16, look at verse number 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. So he's going to say, here's the sin. Pride, fullness of bread, an abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them out of the way. All right, excuse me, I took them away as I saw good. Really interesting here, uh, as it kind of lays this out. It's interesting that the very first on the list, here's the, here's the iniquity of a sister Sodom. Pride. Well, what are we talking about this morning? We're talking about the pride movement. Right? We're talking about pride. I know better than God. We're talking about pride. I, 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 I'm going to go against my own creation. I'm going to go against my own nature into something else. They were overcome with pride. They thought they knew better than God and professing themselves to be wise, they became what? Fools. Fools. That's the pattern, uh, Romans one twenty two. Next, it says that there's a fullness of bread. They had an abundance, which leads to the next one, idleness. Those two kind of, I think, need to be done together. Because when you have an abundance, you're freed up for more leisure. Idleness uh, was in her. And, and I don't know if you ever noticed this. But have you ever noticed that this thing that we're talking about this morning is really a first-world issue? Third-world countries aren't bickering about these kinds of things. You see, when you don't know where your next meal is coming from, what you do in your bedroom is the least of my concerns. Right? And so you, you see these talk shows today, you see The View, you see some of these others. By the way, don't watch The View. Um <laughs> And, uh, and and what are they doing? They're debating all this stuff, and they're talking about all this stuff, and they're you know it seems to be everywhere. Uh, meanwhile, uh, there's like real corruption going on in our society. There's you know there's corruption going on in the government and various things. These are all distractions. Playing with those. And uh, you know, but but the, it only it's only a first world issue. Why is that? Why why is that a point to be made? Because we have an abundance of bread and idleness. You know, bread's getting a little more expensive, but let me just say we're still doing okay. America's doing okay. And uh, I think it's a great warning for us as we look at this. Um, America's been blessed so much that, you know, um, that we have created things really to gripe about. We, we create things to, you know, if there's no problem, we're going to create a problem because we just we need to complain about something we need to have some kind of issue going on and adding to the previous list uh, they had a lack of compassion it says neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy you see selfishness had overtaken her and and, uh, and by the way those that promote pride month are typically on the political left and interestingly the left love to talk about compassion they love to talk about being benevolent they love to talk about giving to the poor and needy as long as it's someone else's money but when you look at statistics and studies that have been done, the, typically the more conservatively, and specifically the religious conservative, tend to tend to outgive many times over what the left tend to give when it comes to uh, 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 whether it be nonprofits, whether it be uh, disaster relief, or, or you, just, you name it. You see, it's easy to give away someone else's money when it starts hitting close to home. That's a whole other story. And so what I find interesting here is that you say, what, what, what's he saying? They had poor and needy right there in their, in their within their reach, and he says you didn't strengthen the hand of the poor. There was no compassion in your heart. You didn't care about others. You were only consumed with yourself. Why? Because of pride. Fullness of bread, idleness. By the way, if they had fullness of bread, why weren't they giving it to the poor? <laughs> you know. And by the way, in America we throw away a lot of food. We throw away a lot of leftovers. Tell your children, uh, you better eat your food. There are starving children around the world. Are we going to mail it to them? No, but, but I mean, there, there, there's some truth to that thought. We, 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 we throw away a lot of food. Probably just what we throw away is more than some people will see in a whole year. And that's our abundance. That's what we're just letting go. Then the next part of the passage brings up the abominations which is likely referring to the lifestyles that they saw in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's amazing how lockstep, I think, America is with what this analysis was of Sodom. I wonder how much longer till God takes us away as he sees good. He, he, he took them away, and, and it's interesting what it says, as he saw good. As he saw good. See, God's a God of justice. God's a holy God. But really, the bottom line, is, as we consider this debate and this discussion, for all of us, and, and here's the challenge, it really is a matter of authority. Is my authority going to be an emotional thing? Because, oh, you know, I used to be against it and think that, uh, that it was a sin till, uh, till I had a family member come out of the closet. You know, and, and by the way, that's, that's, that's kind of how a lot of the arguments go. You know, until I started to know some people. And they're some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. That's not in question. You know, believe it or not, there are a lot of really nice drug addicts. There are a lot of nice womanizers. And we can go down the list of addictions. That's not really the issue. See, there is in the heart of every man a conscience, a basic knowledge that there is a God and... And then, the, and there's, something, that there's something beyond this. Even nature itself teaches us the basic truth about God, His eternal power and Godhead for Romans 1.20, so that they're without excuse. Whether we want to admit it or not, this is a rebellion issue against nature and against nature's God. It really is. It's saying that God messed up, and uh, he, uh, yeah, He made a man's body, but He somehow put a woman in there. And He made a woman's body, and He somehow put a man in there. And, and, folks, I don't, I don't mean to be, you know, standing on a soapbox this morning. I, I know it can kind of feel like that. But, I, I, <laughs> um, but you know, it, it, it's amazing when you're considering, like, sports now. This whole movement is destroying women's sports. I mean, think about it. If you were a female Olympian training your whole life to be an Olympian, why go to the next Olympics? Because there's going to be a biological male that's going to crush you. There's a reason we divided men and women in sports. had nothing to do with what's on the inside. It had to do with your biology. had to do with your physical makeup. And so what's happening? All these biological men are just crushing all these women in sports and records and so forth. It's kind of heartbreaking. You, know, you talk about war on women. Personally, And this is, and by the way, you know who the most tolerant people in the world have always been? Bible-believing Christians. They've always been the most tolerant people. We don't try to convert you with violence. We don't try to convert you with a sword. We don't try to convert you with the Inquisition. We share truth with you, and you can accept or reject the truth, and we move on. But similarly to your lifestyle. Hey, I can warn you. Hey, that is a dangerous path you're on. At the end of the day, you make your decision. Why? Because we believe every one of us individually are going to stand before God. And so I want to make sure you stand before him warned. But then we move on. And and personally, what people do behind closed doors and what their own personal uh, decisions and preferences and and, and things, that's, that's their thing. Problem is, it's being so pushed, and it's being so open and in our faces, uh, and we don't have an answer. We don't know what to say about it. When it's so aggressively pushed onto society, society will begin to crumble. Because we've lost our moral compass. We've lost uh, uh, any kind of standard for right and wrong. So much to the point, think about today, uh, uh, morality is just Relative. There was a point, a time in our society, in this Judeo-Christian society, where we had a basic understanding, lost or saved, on things that are just right and wrong. You know? We want to protect the innocence of children. Have you noticed that that's slipping away? We don't want to protect the innocence of children anymore. We used to all agree, we, uh, hey, let's at least protect the children. They don't want to protect the children anymore. The children are targets. The children are political pawns at times. We saw it in Sodom and Gomorrah. We saw it in ancient Rome. And we're seeing it in early stages in America today. The reality is sin is a choice. We're all sinners and we must deal with our various sins before God. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to lay down His perfect sinless life for the sins of the whole world. I mean, we know this. This is, this is the, the crux of the gospel. Well, well, did, you, know, you see, Christ came to die for sins, but he came also for the sodomite. He came for the unbelievers. He came for the pride community. He came for those that were confused. He came for, I mean, I mean you know, what does it mean that he came for all of us? What does he mean that he, he died for the sins of the whole world? He's a propitiation for our sins and not our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. What does all that mean? That means everybody can benefit and everybody needs... The gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody needs that, that perfect sacrifice. Here's the reality. The pride movement is an addiction. We ought we not to treat it like it's some, some separate category. It's, it's an addiction. It is, a, it is, it is a, a, a unique kind of addiction, but it is, in fact, an addiction. Just like alcoholism or any other lifestyle sin... When we level the playing field and we say, well, this is what it is. And so now how do we go about treating an addiction? How do we help with that? All, all sin, by the way, is addictive. And all sin has propensity to, to get larger and larger and larger. And that's, that's how people shift and move to this place of, of these extreme lifestyle sins. Jesus came to cleanse us of our sins. And so doing, he's able to break the chains of addiction, of oppression, Free of those have been taken captive by the devil, and Second 2 Timothy 2:25 2, talks about um, uh, um, well let me go ahead and read it real quick. Second uh, Timothy 2. Sometimes I come across passages, I'm pretty sure I've memorized, and then it just freezes up. Second Timothy uh, 2, verse um, 25, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You know, there's no lifestyle that opposes itself. Greater than this. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that, uh, that uh, 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 sexual sins is against a sin against your own body. All other sins we do outside the body, but these are sins we do against our own body. In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. What do they need? The first step. They need to acknowledge truth. Verse 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. That's what they're in. Who are taken captive by him at his will. That's what's going on. They're, they're captive. I'm thankful for a few people that have come out of the, the lifestyle, gotten saved, and were brave enough to share their story. Um, there's been a few books written of young people that have come out of it. And they kind of share the, the, the tale. They share the, the horrors of that lifestyle. But they broke free. They were taken captive by the devil at his will, but they first step they acknowledged the truth. What's the truth? They've been made in the image and likeness of God. They were fearfully and wonderfully made. Not 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 to that lifestyle, but they had been made to the glory of God, and they acknowledge that, and they acknowledge the fact that this isn't this isn't something that that was just in them. That this was a choice that they went down this path and. And then, and you know and then, and then of course the acknowledgement of the truth of the gospel and confession that they're a sinner and deserving of God's judgment and and, and and turning to Him alone for salvation to wash away those sins and wash away the stains and wash away the uh, break through the chains and and so forth and and what happens then then they are able to recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive at His will. With that, I echo the call of our Savior to our nation this pride group, in Mark 1.15, repent ye and believe the gospel. And folks, as believers, we need to let the Bible be our, our highest standard and say, what does the Bible actually say about this? And we take a stand to that end. Quite frankly, I'm very offended that this wants to be pushed down my children's throats before they're even old enough to, to understand normal relationships. I mean, that's just wrong. I mean, I remember when it was such a big deal when they started introducing sex ed into public school, and it was co-ed, boys and girls in the classroom together, getting comfortable talking about these things together, and it was such a hot topic when I was a kid. It was because it was introduced in the sixth grade. And now look at man, look at what they're trying to push on these kids and these curriculums. I mean, it's it's flat out pornographic. I saw a video of this uh, enraged mother holding up one of the books at our child at home, and it talks about things I cannot bring up here. I'm not going to bring it. But, 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 but grossly perverse to the extreme telling little kids about these things with little drawings and diagrams. You can go on to Planned Parenthood's website and you can find some examples of these things with drawings and Everything. I'm like, this is, these are to be helpful. These are to be supplemental curriculum for teachers to help, help your kids. Well, we're just going to kind of hide in our church and pretend it's not going on. You see, I know it's uncomfortable to talk about, but folks, this ought to fire us up. This ought to fire us up uh, when there are school board meetings. This ought to fire us up when there's a, a vacancy on, uh, to sit on the school board, or when there are different things going on in our community, we got to be aware of what's happening, and uh, you know, because this is this is our future. You say, "Well, it doesn't bother me because you know we homeschool our children." Well, what if it's your child's future spouse that's going to the school? You see, this is something we got to we got to really get a biblical view of this thing, and then be ready always. To give an answer. And folks, it's not just, you know, being the being closed-minded bigot. Well, God's against it, and so so am I. Though that is, as believers, that, that, that's, that's where we start. But we ought, to, we ought to be so understanding the issues that says, look what this is doing to our society. Look what this is doing. Because, because quite frankly, just saying, well, the Bible says so isn't going to do anything with a lost person. Other than the fact that you know I've got religious liberty, and you shouldn't be shoving this down my throat. Anyways, I know it was kind of a kind of a heavy Sunday school lesson this morning, but I, I want to just kind of give some thoughts uh, this morning. And that warning from Ezekiel has just been kind of heavy on my heart. Thinking this was the issue: pride, fullness of bread, idleness. You see, and it led down this road. And I think as 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 believers, boy, we need to be praying for America. We be praying for our community. We need to we need to be the salt and light. Too often the salt is losing its savor and it's good for nothing. to be cast out in the street and be trodden under the foot of men. We've lost our saltiness. Salt's a preservative and salt's a little irritating at times. I'm not saying we go out to just try to be a nuisance, but folks, when we stand in truth, we're going to be a nuisance. You know, but we ought to stand. We ought to be willing to stand, and we ought to stand with those that stand. Amen. We're done. Um, Anybody have any, any, any comments, any questions I want to raise about this?